Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. My name's Josh Miles. I'm a principal and brand strategist at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. But maybe not as beautiful and as downtown as my guest was today from just outside of Los Angeles in the super secret offices of 72 and Sunny. I catch up today with David Carson. Now, as I go on a little bit in the introduction, David Carson was a pretty essential piece of my schooling and my studies of graphic design and inspiration for sort of what design could be and couldn't be and should be and shouldn't be. And David and I talk a lot about not only um, his view on design today, but also kind of unpack some of the misconceptions and some of the maybe the bad rumors around his career. And uh, so David gets a chance to defend some of that. And I just had a delightful time catching up with David. And I hope you'll enjoy this special conversation with David Carson. All right, guys, welcome all the way from just outside of Los Angeles, California, Mr. David Carson. And for those of you who don't know, David Carson is design director, art director. Wait a minute. Are there actually some of you who don't know who David Carson is? (laughs) He won the AIGA gold medal in 2014. Apple computers called him a pioneer with profound impact. The most important work coming out of America, said the American Center for Design, Carson forged graphic design into a cultural force and a medium with its own shape and direction, said AIGA in 2014. He changed the public face of graphic design, according to Newsweek. And so I think to say that David has been both an electric and controversial figure in the design world for almost 25 years is probably an understatement. Among a few other household names, David's work was a large inspiration and aesthetic bookend during my study of design in college. And so, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. David Carson. Hey, <laughs> that's quite an intro. I, I hope I can live up to at least some of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first, uh, I think, formal introduction to you, if you want to call it that, was literally almost bumping into you at the AIGA conference in Vancouver back in 2003, which is kind of hard wow. to believe. That was almost 14 years ago. That's weird. It, it always, when you say something like 203, you think, oh, not so far long ago. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, that is quite a while. <laughs> wait a minute. And uh, I think it was maybe my uh, sophomore level design class. We had end of print was literally required reading for us. So um, I was I was going back to trying to figure out when I first figured out who you were. And I, I was going back to um, when I was in high school, I was really into Raygun magazine. And I think before I could really put my finger on what it was about that, that was so interesting, you know, there was still a thing that drew me in there. So I definitely had some, some early influences in my, in my design, uh, aesthetic as well. So I guess enough about my stories of high school and graphic design class. I'd like to hear about your, yeah, what what's what's your origin story, David? Tell us a little bit about how you found your way into this world of art and design. Well, it's a it's a second career for me. I have a degree in in uh, sociology and taught high school sociology for about five years, um, and somewhere in there discovered graphic design. It's a I mentioned before I was I think twenty six years old was the first time I heard the word graphic design and. Um, and I had, uh, received a, a postcard in the mail announcing a two week graphic design workshop 
uh, for basically high school seniors and during the summer. And I read the description of what, what they would be doing. And I thought, wow, that, that sounds really interesting. That's a, that's a career. That's, uh, that's, you can make a living. That sounds fun. And, uh, so I, I called, it was actually at the university of Arizona, uh, in Tucson. And I got a hold of them and said, well, I'm a teacher, but could I still come to this thing? And they said, sure, no, no problem. And, uh, anyway, so those two weeks at the University of uh, Arizona, I had a great, great instructor. I'm still good friends with a guy named Jackson Boltz, and that that did it. That just the uh, proverbial light bulb went off, and I said, "Wow, that's that's what I want to do." And everything shifted from that point on. So that got you involved in. Uh, I know Surfer and Raygun were both kind of early in your design career. How did you find your way into kind of the publication world in particular from that? one class well i you know i think i think possibly the my interest in in uh, sociology and the degree in that probably influenced my interest in in editorial where you were for the most part reading and interpreting uh, real stories or real people or events uh, you know as opposed to maybe designing toothpaste boxes or something so I think there's a there was an interest level there, but um, further than that, I had a a, a friend that was uh, a, an editor at a publishing house in Southern California. Hooked me up with a, an art director there, who a guy named Paul Haven, who um, you know kind of said, "Well, this is the guy you should be in touch with," and you know who knows maybe maybe there's a way we could get you in here and start working or whatever. And I pretty much harassed this one art director. And uh, at one point he, he said, well, there might, there might be something, I might have an opening. And with that, I, I moved from where I was down to where, where their offices were and called the guy and said, I'm here. And I think out of somewhat out of guilt, he let me set up a little, a desk in their art room and uh, work for free for for I don't know how many months and uh, and I've been in it ever since basically so yeah it's a little bit of the definition of of good luck or people say oh I was just lucky or just in the right place at the right time but it's the the real definition or the best one I've heard is when when preparation meets opportunity and and that's was kind of my case for whatever reasons I was a uh, the, the right person to start working on skateboard and, and surf and, and music magazines or that's basically a kind of an unusual route and a job training was literally on the job. I mean, all the, all my training, I didn't study any of the schools of thoughts or any, anything traditional really. And, um, uh, it's, it's worked out pretty good. I've, I've said it a lot, but in my case, I never, learned all the things I wasn't supposed to do. I just did what made sense to me. But um, yeah, so that, that's a, that's a, that's a brief, semi-brief uh, look at how I got into it. So I think, um, first of all, I love that, that quote of where preparation meets opportunity. Like that's how you, you get to luck. Yeah, that's, that's the definition of good luck. Not just, oh, I just happened to be in the right spot at the right time. Well, that's, that's part of it. But if you're not the right person, it's not going to matter. What was it that you think that you did as far as the preparation part of that equation goes? Oh, well, I don't know that it, I wouldn't say it had to be 
formal preparation. It's just my whole life experience, really. Um, and for whatever reasons, my my interests and my way of looking things was at things was kind of my my preparation for that opportunity. And uh, you know, whether that was memorizing the early surf magazines as a little kid, or 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 what that was, or my early interest in photography and my own dark room and that sort of thing in, in junior high school. Um, so it's, it's, it's life preparation, I guess, as opposed to, uh, and, and maybe, you know, I, I heard some lectures and attended the workshop and continued to for, well, to this day, really. But uh, um, so I just, you know, whatever that combination of things that led that was in effect my my preparation without knowing it uh you know led to that situation and possibly you know being uh spending a lot of time growing up in southern california and around the surf and skate worlds uh i think there's a kind of an implied or or maybe more obvious uh a mode of experimentation or kind of a more liberal approach to things in general. And, uh, I probably certainly, uh, was, was, uh, had some, that, that impacted me, I'm sure. You know, had I grown up in the Midwest, for instance, I think, or, or anywhere else, uh, or, well, we probably wouldn't be talking today, but I think I would have had a similar <laughs> sensibility, but maybe the, some of the, the attitude or, or the, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think the one of my main, I think, philosophies is why not? Um, you know, why not try that? Well, why can't we do that? What, what do you mean? There's a there's a rule somewhere. You know, and then, anyway, so I think some of that was was uh, location driven. The fact that being in Southern California and, and that sort of thing, but but certainly not all of it. It's you, know, you have to have a certain, I think, design sensibility or innate way of looking at things you just have an eye or, or way of looking at things that, that works for for a particular uh, profession or, or whatever you're involved in well maybe you can tell us a little bit about kind of what you're up to today and um tell us what what maybe a normal normal week or normal day looks like if there is such a thing for you uh, there, there's absolutely uh, not such a thing. <laughs> somebody told, I read somewhere, somebody called themselves a, a, nomad, a creative nomadic or nomadic creative. I thought, well, that's, that might describe <laughs> my, my situation. Um, you know, I've been fortunate that I've been able to kind of be a little bit select on the, on the clients I work with and the, uh, people that come to me usually think they say they want something a little bit different or, or fresh or, or whatever. And um, the ones that don't like what I do, I don't I don't hear from them. So I I've had, a, I think, an unusual amount of freedom in my career somewhat or largely because the early experimental work was was successful and, and got a lot of uh, attention and good or bad, but, but people were talking about it. And, and so I, I kind of had, I think, an easier route in some way. That How would you um, define kind of in general how much time you spend designing these days versus teaching or email or administrative things or traveling? Like how, what are, what take up the, the largest chunks kind of in a given month or year for you? 
Well, I don't, I don't separate them <laughs> probably enough. I, uh, you know, I often said I make my living from my hobby and I just do what I enjoy doing. And I've always enjoyed traveling and kind of early in my career, I decided that that was an important part of, of my whole experience um, in this field is that I got to see so much of the world and meet so many different people and experience things I never would have uh, otherwise that, that I needed to take advantage of that. And I, I've always felt that and still do. And, you know, I used to kind of joke how my tray of slides got me pretty much all over the world. <laughs> and now my, <laughs> now my um, you know, rather beat up laptop does the same thing and, and continues to. I've, Next week, I'm going to I'll be in Spain, and then later in the spring, uh, London, and I just got an invitation to Pakistan. And uh, <laughs> always wisely, I, uh, I pretty much still have the the uh, reaction I did the first time I got a, a call like that, which I remember. It was I was working in server publications, and somebody called, asked me to I'd want to speak in Norway, and I just thought, "Wow, really? Me? A free trip to Norway? How cool is that?" And, <laughs> There's still a, still a part of me that, that reacts the same way. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, anyway, so I, that's a was a conscious decision to, to take advantage of a unique opportunity to, to see the world really and experience a lot of different things. There's, I can't I certainly wouldn't have done that had I remained a high school teacher. But I, I realized now I didn't really answer your typical day question. And I, I but I'd, I'd have a hard time answering that one. It's uh uh, you know, I'm somewhere between a, a freelancer and a small business owner to a corporation with very few people, and and um, uh, and it's important to me to to be able to uh, keep the schedule flexible in case the surf comes up, especially in the winter when I go to the Caribbean and. I don't surf year round, mostly just in the winter. And when I do, it's it's a it's a pretty great, just not perfect wave that I have access to. And so, um, design and and surfing, I kind of my two big hobbies, and dictate a lot of where I am and when I am. I guess. Yeah, we were um, starting to get into a little bit before we hit record here, um, and you were talking about the diversity of the types of projects. Wait a minute, this is being recorded? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I should have told you that, huh? <laughs> but you were you were getting into like all the different things that you've got going on right now. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the different projects that, you know, maybe the ones you're allowed to talk about, but, you know, what, what kinds of things you're working on these days? Yeah, you know, it's... Um... Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I generally don't have a, a ton of clients or a large amount at any one time, but I have a pretty eclectic group of, of, uh, of them or, or projects that, uh, keep, keeps it interesting. Um, you know, one of the really interesting ones I'm involved in right now is, uh, um, what should be the first flying car, uh, from a company called Airborne Motors and they've, uh, Name called me their creative director, and so it's been fascinating to not only brand uh, this car but be involved in the interior and the 
color and colors and even the, the shape of the, the, the of the vehicle itself and so that's um that's been fascinating uh, to me because i've always been kind of a uh, a bit of a car car nut without being able to work on them or anything but i, I it's something i follow and i actually gave a talk to all the designers of uh, Toyota a couple of years back and really interesting. I was surprised they invited me and, and, uh, and then and I just kind of gave my normal talk and, and, and it really went over well. So designers are often designers regardless of their, their specialty in a sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so that's, that's, that's ongoing. It's, it's early. It, it is a, it is a startup, but all the, the signs um, that that I normally look for are all positive at this point, and, and in fact, we just uh, we finally have a, a, a prototype that we've uh, just filmed uh, last week um, of it uh, actually in in uh, flying. <laughs> so that's a good sign, and waiting for some uh, a big investor is waiting to see that footage, and uh, so it's. It's a startup, and I've had mixed to bad experience over my career with startups. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, this one, I'm, I'm feeling pretty pretty good about it. All it all seems to be uh, going forward. And uh, there's a, a few different flying cars, for lack of a better name, uh, being worked on or made right now. But uh, the one I'm on is is more of a, a car that flies rather than a plane that you can drive. And um, it's it'll be self, largely self-driving. And, and, and uh, anyway, uh, you, you can see it on my website. It's uh, it's, sm- it's small, like a, say a VW a Beetle kind of size. And right, the first one I carry one person, but there's already one in the works with two. And we'll see, we'll see. It's been it's been fun, and uh, and <laughs> I, I think it's going to happen, but but we'll see. So at the same time I'm doing that, I'm I, you know working on flying airplane, flying cars, and then I've got uh, just finished up a packaging project, which I don't do a lot of over my career, but it was for a healthy brand of potato chips, and uh, actually very very happy with the way it came out. I think very different from what's out there, which should in the packaging, which should help it stand out. Um, I'm rebranding a, a wetsuit company uh, from uh, England right now and, and doing some ongoing work with the biggest, uh, I think it's the world's biggest uh, stand-up paddleboard company called Starboards. And um, I'm trying to think what else I've got. I've just started a kind of a residency uh, visiting design director at an ad agency here in L.A., um, 72 and Sunny. Just been here a couple of days, but what a great, great place. They do great work, great people, great offices. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. In fact, one of the first things I'm going to get into is uh, virtual reality, which I've mm. never looked at one, much less built one. So uh, that's one of the things they've got me uh, working on. And uh, very, and it's going to be type, type driven. Imagine that. But uh, so. <laughs> We'll see where that ends up, and uh, trying to think. There's probably a couple others I'm, I'm forgetting. Oh, I have a big uh, <laughs> release next uh, in two weeks in uh, in Spain for my 
collection of, of house tiles, t- house and bathroom, or I guess, I guess you could use them anywhere, but it's a collection of tiles <laughs> that somebody approached me about a few months back, and it was just so off the wall and unexpected. That I said, yeah, that sounds fun and great, and it's turned out to be a pretty big deal. Uh, I think bigger than I even realized, but so yeah, I have a collection of, of house or home tiles coming out. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got a, a, a line of surfboards I'm working with with a company uh, called Album Surfboards that'll uh, that we're, we're just submitted a bunch of ideas and so they're going to release a limited limited edition of uh, some surfboard designs I've come up with. And there's probably a couple I'm forgetting, but but that's that's it right now. And it's just so it's, it keeps it interesting, it keeps it fun, it keeps my schedule kind of flexible, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's good. And I think it's a good time. Uh, maybe you want to get into that later, but I think it's a good time to be a designer. And that at the same time, everything's gotten so what I would say horribly generic over the last decade or, or more, graphic design wise, and and all all uses really um i'm i'm thinking now with all the all this free stuff that people are again kind of getting ready or wanting something maybe a little less perfect or less formatted or less what everybody else has or Mm -hmm. looks the same and i know if i post something that's a little little more free form or experimental i i I, again i'm getting uh, a disproportionate amount of, of interest it seems like it just makes me think or feel there's there's a stirring again for you know, not what it was in the 90s you, you can't go back nor should you but uh, okay we've we've had perfect for so long now that maybe it's time to bring a little humanity back into it and uh, and and more personal work from designers not you know i've never subscribe to the idea that the designer should try to be neutral, which which you can't be. It's impossible to be neutral, just like it's impossible not to communicate. Everything you do says something. If you don't respond, that sends a message and on and on. So I'm, I'm kind of optimistic right now that with all this sameness and cheap design uh, wor- uh, work available in terms of free, they're almost free websites and $50 logos that the people who really are trained or have the eye that, that somebody who just buys the, the program or the school uh, online school session or something doesn't have, but, you know, that's a time when designers can kind of uh, shine again in, in a sense. And, and you do that by incorporating who you are as a person, because it's the one thing nobody else can copy. Everybody can buy the same software, get the same programs, look at the same brief, but nobody can pull from who you are and your whole life experience. And depending on the client, you you can't often put a lot of that in, but certainly some and different degrees that you can determine and helps you in, in ad speak, own the work, but Probably more importantly, you you uh, you do your best work and you enjoy it more if you can put some of yourself into it. And it might just be a tiny little thing where you opened up some letter spacing that somebody else wouldn't have thought to do, or it could be a, a bigger hit. But something that that the uh, you know online. <laughs> 
uh, drive-through design shops don't don't have, and and you know, there's just so much generic stuff out there right now, and everything's flush left, all caps, and and done, and uh, is probably fine. It's probably nobody hates it, nobody loves it, and it's very forgettable, and not as impactful as as it could be if the language of design and graphic design was actually used and utilized more. So, even some big ad agency top creative crew out like literally the top creative people have have told me that they realize that graphic design has taken a backseat in the last decade or so and and they feel that it's time that it kind of reemerges as a powerful uh, language that it is um but then they usually say but we're really busy right now so we haven't quite got around to it We'll uh, we'll see. I think there's some stirring and things are going to get more interesting than they've certainly been in, in graphic design. I think it's uh, it's interesting that if your uh, you know your finger on the pulse is accurate, that you know kind of this move to a less perfect solution. Those designers who do have a you know training and a background and a different sense of an aesthetic really can stand to lead those trends and define them as opposed to you know five years from now be the the next guy to to follow along and try to imitate what everybody else is doing yeah absolutely and and you know there's a lot of the production houses and things that used to use graphic designers have, have kind of brought it in-house or whether to save money or, or whatever and kind of eliminated the 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 trained graphic designer is it's an operator who knows how to work to machinery that is now making the design decisions and I don't I rarely think that's a good thing but I I sense maybe that kind of specialty and and being a professional that, that your what you do graphic design is 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 is, is just inklings that it's maybe reemerging as as given the importance it, it should or maybe has from time to time over the years. Sure. With, you know, you kind of uh, alluded to this before, but um, what is it that you think makes a really good client partnership for you in particular? Um, I'm kind of curious, like where, where you feel like those, those connections or those clients come from for you and, and what you watch out for maybe as, as red flags. Well, again, I, I, I have been able to keep that the red flag stuff at, at a minimum. I think overall in my career, because the ones that they hate what I do, or, or uh, you know, uh, I don't hear from them. So, so I, I think I've had a minimum of that. But uh, yeah, boy, red flags. Um, well, anything that's going to be really restrictive and heavy-handed and no no real freedom uh, to do what I do, that's that's going to be a pretty red big red flag. But again, I don't I don't hear from too many of those people. I mean, there's always a client that say they want something new and fresh and exciting, and then do they really let you do it? But um, you know, when I was hiring more illustrators and photographers, I think my job was to select them because I like and know their work and then to get out of the way and let them do it. And uh, I, I still think that gets the best work. There aren't a whole lot of clients maybe that think that way, but uh, <laughs> but then again, it always gets back to, and I don't think this will surprise 
any of your listeners, if, if you can explain why you did something that resulted in it looking a certain way, then you have a better chance of, of, of selling it or getting it through. And I'm very comfortable showing a lot of ideas, whether it's a logo or a whole campaign or whatever, um, ideas that I think could would be better than what they have. And I'll show a wide range of things I think are all an improvement. Uh, of course, I'll have some favorites and I may may indicate that, but uh, I'm, I've always been very comfortable early in the process showing the client a lot of a lot of ideas that I think could work and would, would put them in a better place and be closer to what they're trying to do and then get their initial feedback and, and, and then fine tune the, the directions they're, they're feeling are, are what they're well, feeling good about basically. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's still the way I work. Uh, and sometimes they'll surprise you and, you know, if, and, and pick the weirder stuff. <laughs> not, not all the time, but in, in course you don't show anything you don't, like because they absolutely will pick it and it'll follow you forever <laughs> but um i think the client likes to see that there were a lot of uh, directions tried and they're they're used i don't know that more times than not they're they will always find some something that intrigues them that you can pursue or fine-tune and um yeah it's just it kind of different challenges you know if i worked and uh, which was when I worked on worldwide branding campaign for Microsoft, there were a lot of a lot of restrictions and, and that it just became a different kind of challenge, you know, rather than say, oh, forget that. They, they don't let me do all my weird stuff. It's it's like, wow, that's interesting. I have this restriction and that restriction. How can I still do something that that I'm happy with, but works for them? And, and so it just it just kind of it just becomes a different challenge as opposed to. It's a lousy client, lousy project. (laughs) (laughs) So when you've got a client that you're showing a dozen or two dozen ideas, or maybe it's more than that, are you guiding them to say, okay, here's everything that I tried, and but here's the one or two that I think you should pay attention to? Or do you kind of leave it open for them to discover what they see in the work? Well, it it depends on the client, but, but largely... Yeah, the second part is like uh, I, I don't say here's here's eighty logos and here's my two favorites, uh, but, I, but I might say, well, here's here's where I'm at right now. Here's where I've been exploring, and and there might be forty or fifty in there, and and just just read how they're reacting. It's like, wow, we're really liking the blah blah blah, uh, but we don't or whatever. And then, okay, great. I can narrow it down to these ones you're liking. And, and again, I haven't shown anything I don't like, uh, but for me that, that works well. I think I'm in probably a minority of designers in, in that respect who only show a couple things, but I'm, I'm very comfortable and continue to, to show a lot of stuff. Sometimes too much. Sometimes they get a little overwhelmed, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for the most part, it, it's fun work for me. It's just what I, what I do. And, uh, so it's not a side benefit. It looks like you possibly put in a lot more work than you did, <laughs> but, uh, cause, cause I can do fairly quickly with explore different, different directions. Sure. But the, point is going to be the same as, as I think most designers, you, who, is, who is the client, what, what is the product, who's the audience, what are we trying to say, what's their competition doing, how can we, how can we get somebody's attention. I'm always looking 
I want an emotional reaction to the work initially, and then they can get in and get more information. But if they don't get that initial emotional reaction, a good chance you're not going to get them any farther. Do you feel like you ever get clients that come to you and say, oh, I love what you did for XYZ client, and I want that same sort of solution for us? Is that is that a good thing or a bad thing in your mind? Well, I mean, generally, and the obvious answer would be that it's a bad thing, but I, I don't, I haven't had it very specifically. I mean, I'll get client, I mean, I think lots of people probably get something similar where the client will reference a certain project or something they saw. So we really liked the blah, blah, blah. And that's often why I got the call or the or the email um, because they, something caught their eye and uh, on the on the website or something they saw, and so it's like okay, well that that's right away we're setting up some parameters or at least some directions and and that's fine. Um, I I don't know that I ever well I probably have but gotten somebody to come in like with a page from Raygun Magazine and say here do this. You know? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I don't that that hasn't been a problem or an issue. I mean, you know, if anything, it works. It probably works in reverse of people that haven't followed what I've been doing for the last 10 or 15 years. Say, oh, the, the ray gun guy and all that stuff you can't read. And you know, it's like, well, no, that's not, that's not very accurate either. But, um, you know, it, it's so much of it depends on your client. And I've had a lot of pretty conservative corporate work or your clients and hopefully it didn't end up too corporate, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's somebody once asked me, well, geez, you have any time for, for personal work? And I said, or I thought, I probably said it too. It's all personal. I, I don't, I don't make a big difference, big separation. You know, I'm still trying to solve something. I'm trying to still get an emotional reaction from it. I'm still trying to feel good about it when I see it. You know, I did this potato chip packaging and went out of my way to not have any any weird color splashes or drop shadows or beveled edges or all these things <laughs> that, that people that do that seem to do automatically. And uh, and it was really exciting to actually, you know, it's, it's, I, I noticed that I was very, it was really fun. It kind of made my morning to get this, this FedEx package with the actual bag printed and I, Oh, cool! And you go, wow, this looks really cool. You know, and hold it and feel the texture of the of the paper or whatever it is, the bag. But uh, anyway, so uh, you know, and probably if I wasn't excited about that, it's time to to get out of the field. Right. But, so maybe it's the uh, you know you said a minute ago the the guy who did the stuff for Reagan that you can't read. I'm I'm curious what you think about like what's the biggest misperception of of you or your work. Well, the the work would, the, would probably be just pretty much that one that it's all unreadable and you can't you know you can't read it. And, uh, um, that I mean that one's maybe gotten less over the years, but but that that was always way overplayed. I mean I I could li literally think of one or two articles that you could that you couldn't read but you couldn't but you couldn't read like maybe the opening paragraph so not mm -hmm. the whole thing right. but you know it's 30 issues of a rock and roll arty design magazine and so you have a certain leeway and i think responsibility really to the to the reader and, and the advertisers to be experimenting and trying some different things but 
So early, that certainly would have been the one that, oh, you can't read any of that. And it's like, well, I don't get all these, you know, car and airplane and computer companies if, if the stuff was unreadable. Um, but, and, and then what was the other part of your question? Personal ones? Um, you know, just if there are any other misperceptions about, about you or your work. Well, the, the, there might, you know, I think, and there's always a group that if, if, if somebody gets a lot of press or a lot of attention, they figure you, you've got to be a real jerk because you, you see all the <laughs> press. And uh, I think that people that know me or meet me or would, would, most would not agree with that assessment. And what else? Oh, and then, you know, the, the other one would probably big one would be that he never shows up at, at lectures or something. Um, and uh, on that, you know, I've always been a small shop, sometimes just myself, sometimes uh, two or three people, um, very hands on. And, and uh, unfortunately, probably I do pretty much say yes to everything. And uh, in terms of speaking engagements and occasionally something comes up, whether it's life or, or, or a much bigger project or occasionally a surf comes up. So I've, I've there's definitely missed some over the years, and I, I seem to hear about those more than the, well, I don't know, it's got to be thousands, I think, I, uh, that, that I've actually done, and all, literally all around the world, some pretty remote places, and the offers keep coming. And so so that would certainly be one that really never shows up. I've definitely missed some. and. You have to, you know, if it, could, it could be a family emergency. It could be any number of things that, that comes up. And, and then you have to look at the situation. Is it, a, is it a conference with a lot of speakers and maybe, you know, one that had to cancel at the end isn't, isn't going to make or break the conference? If, if you're the only speaker, then, then, of course, it's a bigger deal. But anyway, so I, I believe uh, 100% that there's nobody – in the design world has given more lectures than I have in the last couple decades. I don't even think there's a close second, um, but I still hear about the one, the ones I missed. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> well, I was reading some, I think I found this on your site in particular, but you were talking about, we had Armin Vitt on earlier last year and you had something about <laughs> your poster that you said was Arminized. So I wanted to hear a little bit of that story. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, you guys shouldn't get me going on that one. <laughs> um, I, uh, oh, boy, I'll try to give you the short version. But, you know, there aren't many, uh, if any, rules that I hold steadfast and kind of sacred in, in graphic design and and maybe other areas. But, but uh, one that I would, one rule for sure in graphic design is you don't, change somebody else's work and then print it and not even tell them or discuss it whatsoever that is just that's uh, that is just indefensible and that's what happened with with uh, Armin Vitt and his talk he asked me to do in Austin Texas for the group he calls his the AIGA but he but he says that means for its association uh, for, for graphic awesomeness, a really silly name and a playoff of AIGA. But anyway, asked me to give a free talk for them. And, you know, take time out of your schedule and come down to Austin for a couple of days and give this talk. I'm going to charge everybody to come, but give a free talk. And uh, but you'll get to do a poster and, and literally told me to do whatever you want. 
It just had to say it had some information it had to have on it. So I did that, and I was very happy and very pleased with the uh, poster. And unbeknownst, I thought it was a little strange that as I got there, I, I wasn't shown the poster or never heard how it printed or anything. And mm-hmm. it was only after, and even as I started the talk, I said, wow, where, where are the posters? I'm really excited to see them. And Armin told me that, well, they were still at the printer, but they were going to be rushed there before my talk was over. And, um, and so after my talk, I sat at a table to sign these posters and sure enough, the posters appear and I start signing them and I go, wait a minute, what, what happened? Is, is there a printing era or there's all this extra big type that I never put on the poster? <laughs> and, uh, you know, anyway, long story short, Armin decided the poster wasn't up to his personal standards and added some type, uh, to the poster, big, big type without telling me or even discussing it and then had them printed and then had me sign them and it's just i'm sorry you just don't do that and it's it's indefensible i mean he tried to you know get personal and his attacks and defending that but it's that you, you don't do that that's so wrong i i would never do that i don't think any other designer would but yeah he took uh my poster and added his own sensibility and type to the poster and printed it, never saying a word to me. And I had to practically beg to get one when the thing was over. And he reluctantly gave me one of my own posters that he had adjusted. So, yeah. So, yeah, I started using the word, you know, don't let anybody harmonize your work. You know, say, (laughs) oh, thanks for sending that. We just made a few changes to make it better before we printed. Hope you don't. Well, no, he didn't even say that. He didn't tell me. (laughs) I'm sorry that, you know, if if you're passionate about what you do and you spend a lot of large part of your life working on something and then you get uh, a hack like that that comes along and, and think you can just change it without talking to you, that's. I, I just don't have any any respect for that kind of behavior. Well, maybe to uh, shift the storyline a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, no, let's keep going. <laughs> we could we could go, probably go on that for a long yeah, time. No, I think. No, that's just a, you know that's just something you just don't do. You know, you could you could have got a hold of me and said, "Hey, I I really hate this poster. Could you try something different, or could you make your name bigger?" Or whatever it was, but there was none of that. He just took it upon himself and changed it. And it was adding type. And I'm, I'm kind of known for type and, and, uh, you know, for my own talk that I wasn't being paid for wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe you could tell us a different story. Tell us about what maybe one of your, um, proudest or favorite professional moments. Well, gosh, you know, I always feel good after a talk on somebody, emails me later and says they, they went to the lecture and then afterwards um, they, they went right back to work uh, that night. They were so kind of inspired and, and, and this and that. And that. That's always nice to hear. I think then, then the lecture worked in, in some way. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I get a lot of nice emails weekly from around the world, people saying that uh, basically I'm largely the reason they got into design and, and how much they love it. And then, so those, you know, there's a feel good thing in there. Um, and I'm sure I'll think of some, some other more specific client ones. Uh, work wise, I'm, I'm most pleased with the work I did for this magazine called Beach Culture. Just did six issues 
and did it before before Ray Gun, before a Surfer. Six issues that I think still hold up pretty well. No, nobody saw them. They didn't have any real good distribution. But those there was just me and an editor working with for and with no money and just labor of love. We did, took us two years to get six issues out and real just a great, great experience and, and work that I'm still happy with. So that that's, that to me is, is one of the best professional working experiences. And another one was working with a band, Nine Inch Nails. Um, it was just great, great people to work with and, um, and the project kept growing and got a commercial and video and a lot of different things. But And I wasn't a huge fan of the music, but which is probably why it worked. I didn't come in as some rabid fan saying, you know, what did you mean in the second verse of the second song? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just two creative people that, that got along and kind of, I think, had respect for each other's work and it was really, really good experience. Um, and I've done a number of, of uh, um, the, the public service stuff or, or donated work for auctions and things like that, and you, you always feel good about that. But um, I don't know. I'm probably thinking that I'm, there's probably a few I'm missing. Well, I'm sure there is. but. Yeah, it's, just, it's been a pretty good ride. Do you have any maybe current or people that you've looked up to in the past? Any any design heroes? Any um, any favorite designers currently? Well, you know, I've always, I've been asked that over the years, and I always kind of struggle with it, and somewhat because. Um, you know, I didn't study any of that, so I was thrown, well, or jumped into the field with with no schooling basically and i didn't know the schools of thought i didn't know the 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 main players i was just thrust into it and so i didn't it's not like i had a you know year or course of studying okay here's these great people try to do a poster like they would um kind of assignment things and so i you know of course you notice other people um gosh somebody just gave me a a book what's what's uh, Anyway, somebody from the 30s and 40s, I, I'm drawing a blank, Weg, Wegman, maybe? I, I, you, you might know them, Workman? Uh, anyway, that, so there's stuff I, I noticed from like maybe earlier in 30s, 40s kind of stuff that I find really intriguing. Um, you know, and there's, uh, I mean, there's always a lot of good designers. I think it's, I think in this gentrification of the field has become less individual standouts. Um, maybe certainly not because they're not out there, but just the sheer volume of, of designers and work that somehow it's, it's probably harder to stand out now than it was when I think I was of that era where not only print, but you could still, it was easier to stand out if you did something unusual or, or, or whatever than, than it would be now. And you've got so much such a diversification of areas that people can go into with, with the web and, and, and sites and all, everything really. Um, so that's a long <laughs> non-answer to, uh, you know, the, I mean, Bon Oliver in, in England is somebody I enjoyed watching and uh, yeah. And then I don't spend, I don't, I don't know how people spend time now going like looking through the web, trying to find people they like or something, but yeah, I, I, I don't have a good answer for that one. 
That's right. Um, I have a feeling you'll have a good answer for this one, though. But <laughs> so many of our guests, we find, you know, it's kind of the theme of the show is the obsessed with design. And I'm, I'm curious what, what you find yourself most obsessed with right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a tricky question. Design-wise or life-wise? <laughs> yeah, anything really. <laughs> Well, I have a one and a half year old son. I'm pretty obsessed with him, um, and I'm uh, always obsessive with with uh, surfing. And I'm pretty obsessive about being in this new situation here at this agency where I, at seventy two and sunny, um, where I have a, a finally I have like a a, um, a a backup crew, if not a whole building of people that can make stuff move and and uh, all these things that I can't do and that's really exciting to me um, to see where that where that could lead so but obsessed um, you know I, I, I don't know I mean uh, like it'd, it'd be like saying maybe uh, are you uh, you, know, you work too much or something but I just don't make those big distinctions between uh, working or or playing or or hobby versus not hobby or work. And it's just all kind of just what I do, just what I enjoy doing. And so I, maybe I'm just obsessive about the field in general. Um, you know, still I'm, I'm at this building and these wonderful headquarters they have here, um, south of just, just pretty much in LA, but, um, and already I've, seen things I need to take pictures of and show them when I lecture to the whole, to the whole company uh, of the little weird type things I've noticed. Some stuff you, you walk by every day that, you know, sometimes you need somebody to come in from a bar to help you see your own city kind of thing. And so I'm always noticing stuff. People say, somebody told me you're always scanning. And I, I, I kind of am as I walk through any building or travel anywhere. I'm always, eh, I'm sure a lot of designers do that, but so maybe that's a little obsessive. I don't know. I, th I think the, the surfing definitely has been. And uh, yeah, I don't know. A little obsessive on this flying car thing. That could be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. I'm, I, when I, you know, I have to be honest, when I first saw the flying car thing, I thought, is that like, is this like a David Carson joke? Is this like, oh, I'm doing ads for the flying car. And like, I think yeah. they're, they're about 17 years late to market from what, you know what the world promised us in the, in the eighties. Oh but. yeah. No, that's one of the first things we, we say in the, in the deck I, I made for investors is, you know, what, what some quote from a magazine uh, saying, you know, we were promised flying cars. What happened? There was something to that effect. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but now with the, with the, you know, cars and drive themselves. And I mean, the whole thing, the safety issue has, has become so much better and um yeah i don't uh, yeah we'll, we'll see it's it's a very cool project but you know i met with the guy maybe that's what i'm saying and, and that's and we just gelled in terms of you know we had a very casual lunch in a tacky chain restaurant thing <laughs> and uh and it just we just gelled and it just uh, and, and that's so important with uh, you know a good client relationship and he's given me a lot of freedom and it, it's it's somewhat early but I think things are, are starting to to uh, 
to, to move a little quicker now that there's a prototype and he does have um, some very serious investor, very serious investor interests. And uh, so we'll see. I'm just I'm a little gun shy maybe because I've had some bad startup experiences over the years, especially in the dot-com era where I mistakenly took pay in, in stock because they were going to own the world and be Facebook before Facebook and all that. And, and pretty much none of them did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think between the... Uh... I'm still waiting for most of the startups to start up that I've ever been involved. <laughs> I feel that pain, actually. I've done some of those deals. I think I single-handedly stopped them. <laughs> <laughs> so I think between the, uh, you know, the maybe the bookends of the flying car and the potato chips, you know, you've you've done a little bit of everything in the market. So I'm curious if there's if there are any dream projects left out there that that you haven't tackled, or maybe one you want to circle back to. What's what's still on your radar of something you want to do? Well, I'm I'm sure there are. What I would have trouble probably naming a specific one because I've had so many of those. I mean, I, to, from airlines to, I was just in uh, Asia working on a new um, the launch of a, well, the, the launch of a new phone, a new uh, cell phone thing and just a huge, huge project, but just with a lot of considerations. And, and that was just fascinating to me. Um, but but anyway, computer and I still get the odd odd surf company work and I still do uh, you know stuff for free if I have a lot of freedom. I just did a, some posters for the National Park Service and I'm oh that's that's one I forgot. I'm currently in uh, doing a map for uh, Amtrak of their of their countrywide routes <laughs> for the USA. So I'm doing a map of America cool. Amtrak. I mean, yeah, it's just like where did that come from? <laughs> but I get these emails now because a lot of people who studied me are in positions to hire me, which is kind of ironic or funny, but actually works out pretty good. So, um, but in terms of dream projects, you know, I would have to go back to something. A description more more general, just something I haven't done before, something that's challenging, something to to be frank, something that's going to have good visibility. I mean, I think it's okay to want a lot of people to see your work that you're you're proud of, and you know, early in my career, that was deemed a real negative in terms of they would uh, the the some of the writers would say, oh, that work is just self indulgent. And it was the big word. And I would say, absolutely. It's, I'm a, a obsessed with it. I'm totally into it. I'm hoping it, it, it gets noticed and is effective and wins awards. And yeah, it's very self-indulgent. And I wouldn't want somebody working for me who wasn't uh, in a similar in a similar way of working. Because um, you have to be a bit obsessive about it. You have to care about the 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 letting or kerning in the address and the unimportant stuff and and uh, I want I want those people working for me and, and uh, so yeah I, I think self indulgence is a good thing just as I hinted at earlier that that if you can get a little more personal in your work uh, which has always been a taboo no no you got to step away and not be part of it and be neutral which you can't um, but no I, I think that's 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 what they're getting your uniqueness and that you're bringing something that you couldn't read in the software instructions or, or a manual that no longer comes with the software, but um, that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah. 
a wandering answer to whatever the question was. <laughs> I think that's a good perspective. There's not one specific that it would just be something, something new, some area I hadn't worked in, um, something that, yeah, could have a, a big effect. You know, and I, I did some work for, uh, I decided to try a real job some years back with the Bose Corporation, the uh, speaker headphone company outside of Boston. And, and one of the things that, that got me to to uh, decide to take that position after a very strenuous uh, interview process was one of the people that said, look, with this brand, you have a chance to you, to reintroduce it to a whole new generation. And as a guy with a sociology degree, that was real intriguing. It's like, okay, now that's that's interesting. How can you reintroduce this brand, which had a, a quality product, but uh, the imaging and the branding and the advertising, I'd say, was was had been at not a very good level. You know, how could you reintroduce this valid brand, a good product, to this whole new new generation? And that was, and that with that, they, they that that made the decision helped me make the decision i guess that okay that's that's really intriguing to me maybe you could leave us with you know we've got lots of young designers and aspiring designers and people who are early and, and i'm sure plenty who are late in their career too but i'm curious what your favorite piece of advice is to pass along to other young designers either in the classroom or that you're working alongside of well i have probably a, a couple a couple different things, and 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 one would be um, that it's it's so important that you're passionate about what you do in this field because you're competing or will be competing with with people who are. And so, if you don't love the particular field or area of graphic design or whatever it is that, that you're pursuing, then then find find that thing you are passionate about because there are so many people, especially in our field, who are passionate about it and if you're can kind of anywhere less than that you're going to have a, a difficult time it's uh, easier said and done to find that passion but but keep searching and then turn it into something that um you know i often leave the student lectures with a definition of a good job and i'm sure many of your re listeners have uh I almost said readers, listeners are going to uh, have heard something similar, but the definition of a good job is if you could afford to, if money wasn't an issue, would would you do that same work? And if you would, you've got a great job. And, um, you know, otherwise, what, what's the point? You're going to be working a long time. You're going to be dead a long time. It's, you know, find that thing that if money was not an issue, you would still be excited to, to go to work and not watch the clock and not wait for the holidays and, and that sort of thing. And, and then, you know, you're in the right field. And it, if it's graphic design, great. If it's selling shoes, great. But, but find that thing that you just enjoy doing, um, regardless of the, whether you needed the, 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 the money. And what else? The um, well, I think I think that's that's largely yeah. Just be sure you're passionate about it. Uh, it's a great field. You can be creative. You can make a living. You can have fun with it. You don't have to dread going to work or or um, you know watch the clock and that sort of thing. It's it's a you're surrounded. By, you're in a field with a lot of great people, creative, funny people, and. And more, and so it's you know, and and I do think it's it's coming back around where graphic design is going to become more more uh, important again, used again, more somewhat more experimental. So you're in a good field, 
uh, and in some ways a good example of this. It's, it's an old cliche, but it's really true. In, in this field, if you, if you find something you love and you work at it long enough and hard enough, it will eventually pay off for you and, and, and whatever that is. That may be where you get to live or maybe how much you get paid, but whatever is, is important to you. And so stick with it. Don't get discouraged. Everybody has probably a good chance if you're a student, it's not going to be your first, second, or maybe even third job, but it, it, it's out there and it's, it's a great field that you can really love what you do. And that, that's critical. That's great advice. David, before, um, before we say goodbye, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit of where they can track you down online on the you know social media or places they can find your book and things like that yeah well please please do uh, i mean uh, probably the main thing is, is my website that's davidcarsondesign.com um I'm, I'm on facebook but facebook has some weird thing where they cut you off at five thousand friends. Right? So I have 5,000 close personal friends on Facebook, but I can't seem to add any more. But I think there's a couple other sites there. I, I'm on Twitter. I'm on um, Instagram. Kind of the, the usual ones. I'm out there. Not, not too hard to find. And uh, Or they could they could email me also at dcarson888 at gmail.com. I often get emails that will say something to the effect of um, dear Mr. Carson or dear David um, or whoever reads his emails and I'm thinking ah well that'd be <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway no I enjoy feedback and uh, people send me you know questions or just comments and uh, it's yeah it's 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 it's, it's a, I, I like you know even the, the lectures I talk at and stuff. I, I so enjoy mingling with the people that come and not, not only the, just the other speakers, but, uh, so yeah. And if you see me at a lecture, one of the many that I show up at, come, come up and say hi. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, guys, be sure and connect with David online. David, it has been a pleasure catching up with you and thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, guys, that's episode number 58 in the books. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with David Carson. For all of today's show notes, please go to obsessedshow.com. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe. We would really appreciate a rating and a review to help other people find the show. As you guys know, so many of our guests come from recommendations and referrals by our listeners. If you have somebody that you think we should interview next, tweet at Josh Miles or at Obsessed Show and let us know who you'd like to hear from next. Obsessed with Design is a production of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon, a branding agency located in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Our intro music is Matchbox Girl by Cassie Joe, and our show is always edited by the talented Gen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company. Visit Brassy Broad for more information. That's BrassyBroad.com. Today's episode had plenty of breaks in the audio, and so many thanks to Jen for cleaning that up and making it sound fantastic. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.